Welcome to Escape to the Magic Podcast. We are your hosts, Randy, Dak, and Ryan. Thanks for making us a part of your day. This week, we're going to be discussing all of those magical Disney senses in the parks. All the sights, sounds, smells, and tastes that immerse you in the Disney experience. Hi, welcome guys. Glad to uh, finally get together. We've had a week off. And so I wanted to start off tonight talking a little bit about how Disney does such a great job of incorporating all of the senses that you feel and experience as you go to the parks. So I think one of the one of the great trademarks of Disney is that they are great storytellers and they figure out a way to involve as many senses as they can as you go through the parks. What's interesting is it makes these connective tissues where you have this emotional connection to a ride, to a to an experience, to a show, um, and they do it in so many different ways. So one of one of the first ways I think one of the one of the greatest ways they do it is through the smells of Disney, and I think we're all any Disney fan is very familiar with the idea of them pumping out the smells as you go down Main Street. And you smell the popcorn smell, you smell the infectionary smell, all of those things coming at you. They even have a guy that invented this special machine. Do you guys know what it's called? The Smellitzer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's actually named after the howitzer, which was yeah. a like a gigantic artillery. Yeah, big big cannon, basically, yeah. right? And uh and so the the idea was that this would project the smells out to you. So maybe have each of you kind of comment about what are some of your favorite smells as you go through the parks or even the, I mean, they've just expanded this idea to resorts, to any so, attractions, right? When you're in the attractions. So I don't want to take away y'all's mm-hmm, thoughts mm-hmm. and comments, but curious. Like there, there is one very specific smell that that I have discovered at Bath and Body Works. And I've told you about this, Dak. For whatever reason, what are you doing at Bath and Body Works? I love Bath and Body Works, <laughs> and I'll tell you why. Because they have many smells, like many candles and fragrances and lotions that smell like Disney. Yeah. So, light of passage. Mm. There is a smell that. Is it in the cave? It's in the cave. In the cave when the flower thingies are floating. One hundred percent. And yeah. there is a smell at Bath and Body Works. It's called fresh water. Okay. It's a lotion and a little aerosol spray. That smells just like a cave. That's one of the big smells for me. I, I listen. I gave you I gave you some grief there, but I'm gonna go bath and body. Now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go check this out. Well, fresh water. Uh, fresh water. All right, I'm da- I'm down. Um, so for me, so you know, so I'm a Disney Vacation Club member, and our home resort is the Polynesian. Oh yeah. Um, and when you walk in the doors at the ceremonial house at the poly, it's unmistakable where you are, right? And so, you know, a big draw for us is not only do we love Disney, we love Hawaii. You know, we've been multiple, multiple times. It, you know, my family history there is it plays an important role. And so, it's uh, it's one of those things that when I walk in there, it brings so many other memories back too that are non Disney. And, you know, when you're greeted um, at a Disney resort, they greet you and they say, welcome home. Right. And so that smell at the poly 
is just one that I could, I could have that everywhere. Be so very, very happy. No, I think you're right. I think Disney has tapped into that um, phenomenon. And it, I think it's scientifically proven that these smells that they create and that then people experience, they just bring back so many memories and so many, I mean, you can open up an orange and instantly you're on soaring over California from Disneyland, right? Yeah. Or you're like you, like you mentioned, you're walking in the mall and happen to catch a whiff of Bath and Body Works and all of a sudden you're back at Disney. I mean, it, it's interesting to me that that smell is so powerful. There's all these little side businesses now. Like you, there's a million and one Disney candle companies out there that specifically try to target fools like us that will spend hundreds of dollars oh. on candles and fragrances and anything that will bring back that that feeling of of Disney. Right. Okay. So lives. so quick story. So Matt, again, one of those companies I bought some candles from. And I bought. One scent that was titled Rome is Burning. Oh, there you are. Spaceship Earth. Very distinct smell. Mm-hmm. Made a candle out of it. Mm-hmm. Now, I thought it would be a subtle scent mm-hmm. in your house. Rome is literally burning. Rome is literally <laughs> burning. And within probably within the first five seconds of having that candle lit, I knew it was a bad idea. <laughs> Our entire house smelled like campfire for days. And if your wife but, is but anything it, like my wife, I mean, you, oh, you she was, never heard the end of she it. She was furious. Yeah, but yeah. it's a distinct campfire. Right? It's a distinct it's, campfire. It's, it's not the one you can go light in your backyard. Like, it is. It, it is It is unique. It's very and, unique. And as, and as you're smelling your house burned down all around you, <laughs> you, can't, you can't but hear Dame Judi Dench telling you all about what happened in that period of time. Uh, oh, you know, and you can still picture. You can hear her voice in your head, right? You can hear the voice, right? and you can picture the you people. You can picture yep. the scene, right? And if I'm not mistaken, this is a part where actually you're leaning back a little bit, yep. in fact, in the cart because it's going up a hill. hill. Yeah. yeah. I'll bring that next time. Yeah. We'll light, we'll light it up here. We'll light it up for two seconds. Don't, here, don't, bring, that, don't bring that to my house. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's Beach Club. So I oh, don't yeah. know if you guys have ever been mm-hmm. in Beach Club yep. Resort or, or, um, or the Yacht Club. Yep. Uh, it just has a very fresh, I don't know what the combination is. I think eucalyptus. Yeah. I'm not 100% on that. It is just such a, I I I am absolutely one of those suckers that buys the beach club candles and you know when I'm having one of those days I just fire that bad boy up and and then mortgage rates don't seem so. Right. <laughs> that's how it works for me. All right, let's keep moving on. Are you, are so, you sure that's what you're smelling? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might be something else. I might need something a lot stronger. Uh, let's move on to sites. So what I find interesting is that to my knowledge, Disney is again, the whole mindset of Walt, his, his vision was that when you came to the parks, you were at the movie theaters, right? So I've taken one of those behind the scenes tours of, um, Magic Kingdom, Keys to the Kingdom. And they explain this, right? So when you walk under the tunnel, they have the Posters of the attractions, that's kind of like the movie theaters where you're seeing the upcoming shows. Even the the way the brick is all laid out, it's like the red carpet. And so, as many Disney fans know, when you are in the parks, you are on stage, right? Uh, when you're a cast member and you're not 
in the customer's sites, you are offstage. And so I just wanted to maybe talk to you guys about what are different sites or different things that you've noticed that Disney does from everything from force perspective to the way the lands are actually laid out that messes with your eyes. Oh, I tell you, I tell you right now, I remember when they were building new fantasy land. Mm. So, and they were building beasts castle Mm -hmm. and from a distance, you're like, that is going to be huge. Mm -hmm. That is going to be a huge castle until you get up to it. And you're like, this is the tiniest castle (laughs) I have ever seen. But from a distance, because they, they employ force perspective, like you just think this is going to be as big as Cinderella's castle, but it is nowhere near the size. So that's one thing that Disney does an amazing job at is that, is that force perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, I think that that, um, it's, it's pretty incredible how they can literally immerse you right into, into an area. You know, I think a little bit about obviously galaxy's edge as you go into Batu, you feel like you're in another planet at this point, yeah. right? Like literally, you know, all the way down to the signage is in a different language kind of a thing, right? If you figure, if you look really closely, you can figure out what those letters really say. But, you know, they, they do a great job. Radiator Springs, right? A Disneyland at California adventure, right? Like, do you not feel like when you're walking down Route 66 there that you are in the movie? Like, because it is so perfectly done to exactly what you would expect it to be. You know, it's interesting because I've been to a lot of theme parks over the years and they try and recreate certain things, but the scale is so small. And what Disney does so expertly well is they take full-size people like us and they can put us into an artificial environment and make us feel like we're actually part of that scene, like that it makes sense, you know? I mean, think about it, right? Go to Galaxy's Edge and you see the Millennium Falcon out there. And my thing has always been watching those movies. I'm like, the people are so big. There's How are they running around on that ship? There's another room every time they turn the corner. I'm like, there can be no more rooms on that ship, right? And then you stand in Galaxy's Edge and you're there and it's like, oh, yeah, I get it, right? So that's what they do is they're able to, they're able to take things and take the size and scope and dimensions and scale of it and, and shrink it still in such a way that you don't lose the perspective of being part of the story. Because, because you know, Dak, you brought this up earlier. At their heart, what they are, they're storytellers. That's all the Imagineers are doing is trying to tell a story. And part of their storytelling is putting you in it. It's not having you be an outside observer, having you be an active participant. Yeah, well said. Man, that is so powerful. And they're the, they're the experts, absolute experts. And I think one thing, just to kind of piggyback on what you're saying there, I think one thing that they do really, really well is they take real life scenarios and add layers of fantasy on top of it. So, for example, if you look at Cinderella's castle, there's water stains on the bricks and there's real life scenarios, right? To, to the point where you're like, this castle has to have been in Orlando for hundreds of years. But in reality, it obviously it hasn't, right? Yeah. But and then they just take the fantasy and the imagery of the you know, the princess vibe and layer that on top of it so that it now becomes this magical locale that just draws you in further and further. I think so 
my personal favorite is you guys know I'm I'm big into landscaping. I'm big into the scenery. I think one thing that the Imagineers do so so well is the transitioning from land to land, mm. right, and area to area, in just the most subtlest ways that they can possibly do it. So just little changes in the architecture, little changes in the plants and rocks and theming that is used as you transition. If you just, in your mind's eye, as you're going down Main Street and let's say you're hanging a left and going past Crystal Palace, you'll notice that it changes from the Main Street motif and just seamlessly, even in the way that the plants are, the the type of trees they use subtly transitions into this jungle environment as you turn the corner and head into Adventureland. And that transition is the Crystal Palace. So next time you guys are looking or next time you're there, look at the change of environment as you go from the Crystal Palace that starts off at this turn of the century and turns into Adventureland and palm trees and all the jungle. I'll be checking it out as I'm getting a cheeseburger spring roll. That cart that's right there at the entrance. Yeah. Love it. Well, I, you know, where you're going right there, I want to just, I want to take it to the next level, right? Which is the next sense. And that is the sound because just as, as well as they do on transitioning the lands physically, right? The sound, it, it does the exact same sort of thing. There's no competition between each of these lands and what you're hearing. And that is absolutely incredible to me, right? Like I've been in Six Flags. Right. And, and, you know, Six Flags over Texas and Dallas, right, is kind of themed after the Six Flags of Texas. Right. You know, the different countries that have kind of ruled over it and and they have different themed lands throughout there. And you can stand in one land and you can hear the music from another one sometimes. Right. You know, Mexico is competing with Spain. There's a difference. (laughs) Okay, And, And I know there's a difference because it's two different songs and I can hear it. Okay, You never hear that at Disney, right? When you leave and you make that transition past the Crystal Palace into Adventureland, all of a sudden there's different music going on and you're fully immersed in it. And you have now left whatever it was that you were at behind and you've gone into a new place. You're taking a new adventure. And as soon as you leave Adventureland and you hit Frontierland, the music changes, right? And it is a clear demarcation where there's no competition between the two where you ever sit there in in a moment of confusion like, where am I? I? I'm on the border, right? There is no border. It just happens. That is amazing how they do that. You know what? I've actually, I think I've taken that for granted. You know, hearing you describe it that way, I've just, because when you walk through the parks, you just, you don't notice, you don't notice that. You just go from land to land to land or country to country. And there's that seamless transition. But when you just, when you just said it, there, there's no noticeable change like it it just changes you don't even notice that it did and it happens at the attractions too right there's music going on throughout Adventureland, but when you walk into the pirates of the caribbean queue right it's a different thing altogether and once again when you're there even though you're right outside for some of it there's no competition between what's going on right like you seamlessly now have entered into something else it's incredible yeah, so I think I think what that is called, and I'm not a sound expert, obviously, but I think what they're doing is they sound layer, right? So as you're transitioning from one land to the next, they're fading out one music, but it's it's such a gentle fade. It's it's one layer of, you know, they're removing maybe the cymbals or the 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 drums or the, you know, 
strings or whatever, and they're starting to add in now, you know, maybe the jungle drums of the transition mm-hmm. to Adventureland, or not even something that noticeable, but it's just an as you transition, the, the next layer of music begins to pick up. They do this in the rides as well with the projectional sounds, right? So you see this in, I, my favorite example of this is in Pirates. Because yeah. Pirates, you can literally be around the corner, and as you transition from one scene to the next, you stop hearing the conversation that you were just listening to about them looking for Jack, and now all of a sudden it's another pirate yeah. that's talking to you, and you no longer hear. Seven chickens. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so I I love that. I love the sound projection where where they create this environment where you don't hear. It's not like you're at a party where you hear 15 yeah. conversations yeah. going on at the same time. Yeah. You hear the conversation that you're meant to be hearing in that moment. That's what makes so, it so So if you had amazing. if you guys had to pick just one sound, that's your favorite that Maybe it's your favorite, maybe. But if you had to pick one sound from, I'm picking the cue from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, I mean, you know, and all credit to X for his score on that and, oh, and yeah. putting it together. It's pretty amazing. Uh, I'm gonna, I, I'm, I'm a little more futuristic, right? And I'm probably gonna go live in Tron, oh. or, or maybe probably over in, uh, um, you know, near the Nova Corps at the Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, in in Epcot. I just, you know. First of all, the Tron score is Fantastic. my favorite. The Tron, and let me clarify, Tron Legacy score is my favorite of all time. You know, Daft Punk, some of the true geniuses yeah, of our age. I hope they get back together one day, especially since they're about to start, you know, production on Tron 3 this later this summer, I think. So, you know, we, we got to get Daft Punk back. Oh, you're looking at me like that. Oh, sorry. I'm I'm uh, sorry. That's future uh, news. Future news. But yeah, yeah, I'm like looking at Randy like I I had no idea. Yeah, supposedly the that. rumors have been going okay. on for forever. So who knows, right? But but yeah, that's probably what I would do. I mean, I you know when you walk up there and you're in that that land and you're hearing the score, and then you get to go and get on a light cycle and do it, like you really feel like you know you are Sam Flynn. And I think for me, so I'm, I'm more, I would have a hard time choosing between Galaxy's Edge and maybe um, Avatar. I just, I love the created sounds that they've made there versus maybe characters talking or the, or the traditional Disney music. I just, there's so many times when you're in these lands and you hear you know, birds or animals moving and you know that's not really an animal over there. But, but you're also sure... like, well, this is Florida. It could <laughs> yeah. be an animal. It could be, it could yeah. be something. Yeah. yeah. And just like I, I love when you're in Galaxy's Edge. Maybe I would lean more towards Galaxy's Edge, which is funny because that's not my favorite land. But from a sound, pure sound perspective, when you're sitting there and you hear two TIE fighters scream above you, as if they're really there. And yeah. there's there's been moments where I've looked up yeah. expecting fully to see some sort of X-Wing or TIE fighter or some sort of ship coming in. And, and they by the just way, did you, such you a know, great job. You know there. that's coming eventually, right? They're, they're going to do it. Yeah, Somehow they they're going to do that. Yeah, Even if it's with an oversized drone, you've got to find a way to fly these things in. <laughs> yeah. But to me, that's just, it's, again, it's one of those immersive moments where you, um, 
you're just completely engulfed in the sound of Galaxy's Edge. And you, again, you want to talk about transitions visually and sound-wise from a transition of Hollywood Studios, you know, commentary lane into Galaxy's Edge or even a bigger transition, Toy Story Land into Galaxy's Edge. Amazing, seamless yeah. job of sounds and landscaping and all of those things that go go into transitioning you from cartoon world where you're the size of a toy to a galaxy far, far away. It's amazing. Amazing. I'll just real quickly, I'll throw in a bonus one. And, and I think we would be remiss if we didn't acknowledge it, but it, it's Main Street, USA. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you, walk, under, you walk under the uh, train depot and through that tunnel and you hear it immediately and you're there. You know, and I, you, you guys are like me. I think we've all at times just, you walk out there, you just tear up a little bit, right? You know, you're feeling, I'm, I'm tearing up right now, just thinking about being there in a couple of days because you just, you're, you're back in your happy place. Yeah. I think that's it is you just know you're like, okay, I'm home. Like I am. And I don't care how much it costs. I live here. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, My bonus would be just the audio loops in general. So everything from your entrance audio loops to you're in your hotel room and you turn on that free Disney information channel and it's just got that background loop. I love the audio loops. I am I am not ashamed to admit that I will just sit in my house, turn on the YouTube resort TV and just work with that in the background. It just. Yeah. So amazing. Well, it's relaxing. Yeah. All right. Uh, my favorite tastes. Mm-hmm. So, I know what your favorite taste is. It's a Mickey bar. Yeah, it absolutely is. I was gonna say the colossal cinnamon roll. So yeah, yeah, that too. I think uh, this is why I have the figure that I I do is because my favorite sense of all the senses is sense of taste, and not a lot to go on here, obviously. Um, Other than what I would say is Disney has done an amazing job, and we could do a whole episode of this, and I'm sure we will if I have my way. Multiple episodes. Of, you know, your typical theme park food is nasty. And Mm -hmm. Disney is not without its nasty foods. I already mentioned Pinocchio House. Yeah. (laughs) But I think they have done Or even worse, Pecos Bill. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I would take Pecos Bill over... Pinocchio House. I'm not sure I'm there. No, no, I pass on both. (laughs) Hard pass. Yeah, I think, I think, again, the, I don't know if there's such a thing as a food Imagineer. I'm sure there is. I don't know. But Disney has done such a great Mm -hmm, job of taking what, from a general standpoint of theme park foods, and turned it into, again, this whole other other industry of Instagrammers and foodies and festivals and all of these things where they bring in all these different tastes and textures. And you can go to really nice restaurants at Disney Mm -hmm. World and drop some serious coin on some of the best steaks I've ever had. Um, Or you can just get your cheeseburger and some fries. 
I'm so glad that Disney World, that Disney has so many other options other than chicken fingers. <laughs> chicken fingers <laughs> and corn dogs and hot dogs. I'm just no, I don't want any of that. By the way, it's really hard to find a corn dog at Disney World. That's true, actually. There's only a couple of places. That's true. That's true. Um, the drinks. The mel- was it the Melurune? I'm pronouncing Yeah, the Melurune Melurune rum or punch or something yes, like that at in Galaxy's in, Edge. In California, because they don't serve it in Florida. That's that's right. That's right. That's where we had it. That's like I almost recreated that taste at home. Oh my gosh, that's so good. Yeah, I couldn't find the blueberry syrup. But oh, that's what slushy. I needed. So I think you raise a good point. What's interesting also that Disney's done a really good job on is as you go to different lands yes. and different kingdoms, they have adapted food menus based on that environment, right? So again, that's just another layer that they put together that is so genius that you know, you're not getting a corn dog in Galaxy's Edge. You're getting some exotic looking food, right? That fits that land and that area so that you th- again you're completely immersed it all yeah. goes back to the story right you you're not going to get a corn dog on the millennium falcon right yeah. yeah that would not make sense and so they they mix it up and create these menus and these food items to again completely immerse you in the story i was going to hit i was going to hit two examples of this right first one is and i think the first place that I remember that they did a really good job of this in terms of let's adapt the food to where we're at. It took place in Animal Kingdom in Pandora, right? So Tuli Canteen Very good place. serves effectively a menu of mostly Asian-inspired dishes, right? Um, but they dress it up in a way and they they rename it. And, and it is, in my opinion, it's the best quick service now in Animal Kingdom, right? I, I, it's, it's my go-to place. I, I really like it. So that's a great example of it. But you know, another thing that they do, and this is this is more of them incorporating all of the other senses into it, right? You know, one of the high-end restaurants in Epcot is Space 220. Hard ticket to get. I've been lucky enough to eat there once, right? And I'll tell you, it's some of the best food I've ever had. And I don't wonder if the reason it's some of the best food I ever had, you know, went beyond the fact that it was homegrown, right? Because, you know, the lettuce that you're eating is some of the stuff that they're growing there on property. By the way, if you go ride the living with the land boat ride, you'll understand where this food is coming from and you'll see it. But when you go to Space 220, there is a there's an experience that takes place. And one of the first things you see when you get off the elevator is they're like, oh look, this is where we grow our lettuce in space. And so when I got my salad and I bit into this salad. Space salad. It was the softest, most fluffiest kind of lettuce I've ever had before, right? And I don't know that it's because it was really any better, but it's because they did such a good job with heightening the rest of my senses mm. to this experience that all of a sudden I was transported someplace else. And I'm like, wow, I'm looking out this window, I see spaceships flying by. I see nothing but stars. This food is out of this world. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right, so let's let's wrap this this little segment up by I think I think when we really enjoy this the most is when these are all combined into one moment. So take a minute, maybe think about an attraction, an experience. You mentioned Main Street, so that's obviously perhaps on our list, but Something that 
seems to incorporate all of these senses where you are just on almost a sensory overload, right? Um, so I'll, I'll go first. I think either Soren or Flight of Passage is involving all of these senses, right? I think that that's where the Imaginaries really hit it out of the park is where they took your sight and your touch. I mean, you're riding on that Banshee and you feel it breathing and moving and they got the 3D glasses going on and they're pumping the smells at you and all of these things are going on in one moment where you are just completely immersed in the story and it's just so amazing. So thoughts? I would echo both of those. I would add, I think I'd just go back to Pirates. Me too. I think Pirates, you have the smell of the water. That smell inside the Pirates attraction is unique. Mm-hmm. And so you have the smell, you have the, the, the water that will splash on you with the cannon shots. Um, sound of the music, just for me, a very immersive action. And I agree with you. I think Flight of Passage and Soren. And you can even add uh, oh, Bugs. No. What's the show there? The tree. Tough to be a bug. Tough to be a bug. I don't oh, know. Yeah. How did I forget that? that? Yeah. I guess pretty much all the senses besides uh, Danger Zone taste. if you have a four-year-old with you. I'm just going to throw that out. That is a danger zone if you have kids who are afraid of spiders. Or adults that are afraid. Or adults that are afraid of spiders. Me. <laughs> so that's a that's a great side story. I think for some of you guys listeners that are maybe first time goers and and or maybe second or third timers, because Disney does such a great job, and I don't want to get us too far off topic, but you, you almost have to be careful of sensory overload for your kids, right? <laughs> like it, in a very real sense, like I I see these parents of that have young children that are just absolutely losing their minds. And I just have to think, wow, you just took this kid out of elementary school, right? Yesterday he was in the third grade, you know, drinking glue. And now you're putting him in or her in this environment where the fantasy and the story is so real and so immersive. And you're wondering why they can't, process all of it right and they're absolutely having a meltdown in the middle of main street i mean that and they did not get their mickey bar yeah that's right or a nap or yes yeah yeah we push our kids again way way off in the weeds but that that's a very real yeah uh moment where you have to kind of like assess what your child's really trying to get at yeah pro tip it's okay to take a break in the middle of the day come back um, I would say for me on this one, I, I'm, I'm going to go with the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run. You know, you're piloting the Millennium Falcon, right? And before you do that, you get to go and talk with some pretty cool people. Hondo Naka, right? I mean, he's the best of the space pirates, really, when you think about it. <laughs> you know, he's neither light side or dark side. He's pretty neutral. Whoever's going to pay him, he's good, right? But um, you pilot this, you experience all of it, okay? You experience the smell because you're on the deck of the Falcon and you can smell the ship, right? And then when you're done, you either feel like throwing up or you feel like getting something to eat. So you go ahead over to Ronto Roasters, right? And you get some Womp Rat and, and that's what you're going to eat on a stick, you know? 
or you go get some blue milk or whatever. It's all right there. Oh, the blue milk next to you, where you can where you can be part of this sort of a thing, and you get to experience it all, and be right there next to it, and be part of the size and the scale and the scope. Uh, it's amazing how they're able to take a video game and have you be like, no, I I, I can do the Kessel Run in twelve. <laughs> and the nausea usually comes if you're the engineer. Well, that's the the boredom comes if you're the engineer. <laughs> well, and I'll I'll back you up a, a step or two. Even when you're in the queue and they have the announcements going on, and there's you know air pistons going off around yeah, you, and you're smell. hearing things going off, and it's just again they they are really drawing you into that story, and it goes back to you know we're not going to watch. Han Solo fly the Millennium Falcon. We're going to go fly the Millennium yeah. Falcon. It's every Star Wars fan's dream to be on that ship and be piloting it or be an engineer, unfortunately, for some people, right? But you're still on the Falcon. And yeah. you, I mean, can you think back to that first moment when you go through the queue and they actually let you into the room and you see <laughs> all the visuals. You sit down and play chess. Yeah, and, the you chess know. table is there and just all the buttons are flashing and you are 1,000% in the story. I, I, yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah. That's a great, great experience. And not to mention the fact that you just walked through Galaxy's Edge, right? And so you, you're that much more immersed in the story. It's amazing. Mm. Mm. I'm so excited to be there in two days. Awesome. I'm so jealous that you're going to be there in two <laughs> days. All right. Well, let's finish off the podcast with a little game. This, uh, just to give a quick backstory on this. So Ryan and I's daughters, they're about the same age, hang out together all the time. And generally speaking, you know, it gets to be late at night and one of us has to take the other one home. And so... Whenever we're in the car, I I love to dream up these magical scenarios I give them where I I place them in the park somewhere with some type of scenario or or setup and I make them tell me, "Okay, this is this is what's going on." So I'm going to hit you guys with this, play through it and see how it is. So it is it is 9:30 at night. The park is about to close in 30 minutes. Which park? Better. You you can pick the park. Uh, you get one ride and one last treat of the day. The next here's here's the caveat: the, tomorrow morning you're getting back. You know, going back to the airport, going home. So yeah, it is. I it, can't play this game. <laughs> you are. Can't do it. You are about to leave. So this is your last ride, last treat of the day, last ride, last treat of your of your trip, right? With no future trip planned. Where are you going? What are you riding? You have yours, Randy? No. And what do okay. you uh too hard. Okay, so snack on? obviously, well not obviously, but probably we'll be at the Magic Kingdom. It's the last day of, of the trip. You have to go out watching the fireworks. So for me, I'd want to because you're gonna be just exhausted at that point. So I don't know if I'd want to do like a like a big thunder or seven dwarves. I think I'd want to do like a Haunted Mansion or a Pirates. That's kind of an easier ride. That's going to take a little longer so I can absorb that last ride. And I would really want Le Fou's Brew. They close at nine. No. 
know, it closes at like six. So, yeah, they close. It's really <laughs> early. So I couldn't, if it's 930 we're talking about, I couldn't get the LeFou's brew. Um, you Dole Whip. Hmm. You Dole Whip and I would say, let's go Dole Whip and Pirates. That's my last thing to do. Hmm. Dole Whip and Pirates. You need an extra minute. Randy, I'll, I'll Randy go. Is, you, I, I think you have Randy to, I think is stewing look, over you there. Just, you got to tell me which park I'm at. Right? <laughs> you pick a park for me, and and I'll tell you what I would do. All right. So let's put you uh, since Ryan's already taken magic. Let's put you in Epcot. Perfect. I was hoping <laughs> you'd take me there. Okay. Right. Okay. Good. All right. I know exactly what I would do. Right. I I'm gonna go ride um, Cosmic Rewind. Right. Best attraction there. Okay. And then. You know, because I'm not queasy at the end because I took my Dramamine earlier in the day. You know, I want to go. And in Germany, they have this, they have this um, caramel apple oatmeal cookie. It is, I just, every time I go to Epcot, it's the one thing I've got to make sure that I get. I got to make sure I get this caramel apple oatmeal cookie. And in fact, I was lucky. Caleb brought me one home Ooh. from her trip this last time. That's how important this cookie is to me. So that that's what I'm doing if I'm in Epcot. Mission, uh, Cosmic Rewind, and Germany cookie. Beautiful. So I'll finish off the night at Hollywood Studios. I, I would actually choose Magic Kingdom, but just to keep it a uh, little, little mixed up here so that we get as many parks in as we can, I'll go... Uh, Go Hollywood Studios, Linky Dog Dash, and I'm just going to go with your classic Mickey ice cream bar. Ain't like, wrong with that. To me, I just, I don't know what it is. You can get a chocolate ice cream bar sandwich anywhere else, but the moment you shape it in a Mickey, it just changes the taste, the experience, everything about it. And, and then I just, I love the Slinky Dog ride. I love listening to Slinky's voice as I... <laughs> Hang on. Stop (laughs) mid-ride and back up a little bit before I go over those those humps of his uh, slinky dog tail, if that's what it is. Just love it. So that's how I'd finish out the night. Beautiful. That's awesome. Beautiful. I think it's great. All right, guys. Fun episode. This was awesome. Very fun. Um, We talked about a lot. We we talked maybe a little about too much stuff but that's okay because there's so much more to come and uh thanks for thanks for tuning in this week we look forward to taking you on our magical journey next time thanks guys thanks guys